0: former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Bebefei on vSAN, the sports betting network.
4: It's a great day to be alive and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside of the Circa Resort and Casino here in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Femi Bebefei alongside Jonathan Von Tobel. JVT is right. in for Michael Lombardi as he's vacationing, I believe, in Utah Getting ready for Sundance, I think is what he was telling me earlier. But uh, JVT, this is our first time doing a show together. That's what I was thinking before yeah. I came in, yeah. How hey, you son. doing, man? This is this going to be a lot of fun. No,
5: I'm excited. We have a lot of great guests and a lot of stuff to go over, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. I'm a morning guy, so the, the early tar-
4: the early start times are good for me. There we go. I, I got my Peloton ride in earlier today. Uh, the sweat was already flowing, so we're, we're feeling jazzed up, ready to rock. For this weekend i would not have taken you for a peloton guy (laughs) the pandemic changed us all that's a good point yeah (laughs) it changed us all Uh, make sure to tweet at the show though at visa live on twitter at me jvt is where you can find JVT at Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. Coming up, Andrew Brandt, former NFL vice president, joins us in 30 minutes, host of the Business of Sports podcast. Also, he's going to tell us where will Aaron Rodgers go? Or at least he's going to try to tell us. We all don't know, but we're going to ask Andrew about that and some other headlines coming out of the combine in in Indianapolis. Michael Calbreeze, college basketball analyst over at the Action Network, joins us in 45 minutes, talking all things conference tournaments and tomorrow's big slate in college hoops. Vinny Maiulo, South Point odds maker at the top of the hour. What's a attracting the betting public this week, and we'll also talk some NFL draft, some NBA awards, college hoops, and whatever else comes to mind. But first, JVT, let's start with what we saw last night in the NBA. You, of course, host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. Make sure to get that wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. You guys know the whole deal there. Uh, but let's start with the game that we saw in Dallas, the Dallas yep. Mavericks. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers 133-126. Luca 42. Kyrie, 40. This is what Maverick fans We're wanting to see from their dynamic duo in the backcourt there, any big takeaways from what we saw last night. I
5: mean, not really. Like you said, like this is what we expected, right? This is what we wanted to see from Dallas. But I I would say this, like they just fit the perf, like the archetype of what we expected them to be. An offensive rating in this game of 135.7, 133 points. And as you astutely pointed out when we were talking about this off the air, almost blowing a game in which they had a massive lead because their defense in its own right gave up 128.6 points per 100 possessions or an offensive rating of 126.8 for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, like, that's going to be this team. It's going to be a team that has some really high highs offensively but still cannot really contain other teams. So they're going to get in these positions where, much like we saw, because remember, I think this is the troubling aspect of this as we move forward with Dallas. Remember on Sunday, big Mm -hmm. lead against the Los Angeles Lakers. What happened? They blew that because their defense stunk in the second half. This one, their defense stunk in the second half, except they held on because the offense was really moving at a very high pace. So I would say, like, as we kind of come out of this, it's uh, it's the old it's the old, uh, what, Dennis Greencoe, right? They are who we thought they were. Good yeah. offensive team with a really low floor on defense, and they're going to have to win a lot of shootouts
4: when they move forward into this postseason if they're going to have a chance of getting forward. Speaking of shootouts, 54% from the field, yep. 52% from three-pointers, 25 made three-pointers last night, and they only won the game by seven. Yep. And an offense like so, an offense rating a one twenty two point five in the
5: half court. That's an incredible offense rating. Yeah. That is that is an astounding number to put up. And still, like you said, you're barely getting by. And at one point, you know, I flipped on because I was looking at the box score. I was like, oh, like okay, they're they're about mm-hmm. to let them get back into this thing. So, I, like, am I running around after this and going, they're exactly what we thought they were going to be? Like, nah, I mean, yeah, I guess. But this is why I think, Femi, like I've said this about Dallas this whole time. I honestly believe that in any best of seven series against any of the opponents that is our contender, can mm-hmm. Dallas win that series? Sure but can they win three or four consecutive series playing
4: this level of defense? That's the real question. And I would say the answer to that one is no. Ooh, I, I think I might just be low on Dallas overall. Cause I'm not even sure if they can win any of these series against these good teams. I, I look at Denver Memphis, maybe because Memphis, they struggle mm-hmm. in the half court and all that stuff. But of the teams that we kind of take seriously of the contenders, like the golden States and all that. Well, golden state, I guess on the road is bad, right. but I just struggle to see this team getting stops in a seven game series where the team is game planning for them. Two weeks, it's like, okay, this is all we have to focus on. Can this team actually go ahead? Maybe they can steal a game or two, but to win a whole series, I I think this is asking too much of this. I even tweeted out on Sunday. I said, if they win a series, job well done. Success, because I don't see it when this team Oh,
5: I would say absolutely. Like I think when, when you're talking about them winning a series, when I say that, it's going to be a series of games like this where it's like both Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic need to go absolutely nuclear. Your offensive rating needs to be out of this world. And it's going to be a lot of these high scoring shootouts. And again, that's not a sustainable formula for success. You're not winning multiple series like that. Can Luka Doncic go nuts for a series? I mean, look, I'm a Clippers fan. I watched him go nuts for multiple series against the Clippers Mm -hmm. and push them to the brink each time. Like now that you have Kyrie Irving, this is something that can happen over one series. Yeah. Again, Got to do it over the course of three or four. I don't think that's happening. And then we, you know, it's not a betting topic, but the big picture then is in three months, what if Kyrie Irving's a sayonara and you don't know what's going to happen after
4: that? Yeah, it's a big risk that they took to go ahead and get Kyrie Irving, but hey, I guess... Uh... You miss all the shots you don't take, whatever the hell the saying is. You, you miss, miss 100%, 100% of the shot. shots you don't take. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Yep, there we go. Uh, the Mavericks 16 to one to win the NBA title. I would not touch that with a 10 foot pole. Uh, on the no. other side, the Philadelphia 76ers. They lose the game last night. Uh, Tyrese Maxey now inserted into the starting lineup. They feel like that gives them a little bit of an extra jolt there. Any takeaways on the Philly side for you?
5: Not really. I mean, I think Doc Rivers was talking after the game. Like it was a tough scheduling spot. You played the so second leg of back to back. It's an earlier tip time, so you play to Miami the day before, then you go to Dallas. You play in this game. Like, I think this was one of those scheduling snafus that you run into if you're the Philadelphia 76ers. But to your point, one of the bigger issues or bigger take takeaways here is. You know, they've been they've been doing this thing with the starting lineup, right? The beginning of the year is Tyrese Maxey. Then Tyrese Maxey gets hurt. They go to De'Anthony Melton. De'Anthony Melton gave them some really good production defensively, and they were looking pretty good, but they need more offensive production from another piece out there. So what do they do now? It looks like maybe they're going to go back to Tyrese Maxey. I think that changes things a little bit from a totals perspective, perhaps, for Philadelphia as we move mm-hmm. forward. If that means more minutes and Tyrese Maxey in the starting lineup with the backcourt of James Harden and Maxey, it's not the best, most resistant defensive backcourt <laughs> in the NBA. So maybe these affairs for the Philadelphia 76 Sixers are going to get a little bit more high scoring as we move forward with them. And you look at the last game that they just played, right, against Dallas, 133-126. And then they drop 119 uh, on the uh, Miami Heat. So I think that maybe that's something we're watching. But I wouldn't freak out over a loss on the road against Dallas. It's the second leg of a back-to-back on the road with a really important Eastern Conference game coming up on the road against Milwaukee.
4: The Eastern Conference is going to be really interesting there. I mean, I think we have the top two with Boston and Milwaukee, flip-flop, or however yep. they're going to end up be deciding that one seed there. But Philadelphia is probably seen as that third team. Do they end up being that third team? If they keep losing games, who knows? The Knicks are hot. There's, there's other teams that are hot as well that are on their trails. I know the team that's near and dear to your heart, the Los Angeles Clippers. They took on the Golden State Warriors last night. The second half, it got ugly. The Warriors won the game 115-91, 25 points from the Clippers in the second half of an NBA game. That That's tough, man. Yep. That that's tough. I, I, can this be fixed at their current construction here?
5: Oh yeah, sure, I, I, yeah. certainly. But you got to go back to what you were doing. This, so the Clippers going into the All Star break because we always forget, right? Because they've lost four straight. So you know we got to be like, hey, everything's done. They were they were <laughs> ten and four in the fourteen games that they were playing and going into the All Star break. That's right? fair. And, yeah. But the reason why is because. Tyrese Maxey, or excuse me, Tyrese Maxey, Terrence Mann was their starting point guard, and he fit really well. Femi, the starting lineup that they usually rolled out in those games, so it's Terrence Mann, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, of Zubach, and the latter two were not available yesterday, but still, it speaks to a larger problem here in these four games. A net rating of plus 13.3 with that starting five out there. And wow. the Clippers post-All-Star break were like, nah, we need to put Russell Westbrook in here and put him in large minutes and see what's going to happen. <laughs> Again, that's not to say you and I were talking about this off the air. Is everything that's gone wrong for the Clippers in these four games past the All-Star break, all Russell Westbrook's fault? No. But it involves him because it involves a front office and a coach who has decided, we need to nuke what has been a really good lineup for us and insert Russell Westbrook. You are changing your starting point guard with 20 games left in the NBA season, Jeez. and you're dismantling a starting lineup that had been on par. Like, Think about this. The Warriors' best starting lineup, or their starting lineup, a plus 22.1. You had a starting lineup that was plus 13.3. You were approaching Warriors territory with how Mm -hmm. efficient that group had been, and yet you decided to blow it up. So I, I think that's really the problem. We'll see if they actually make some choices out of this. But when you have Draymond Green planting himself in the paint and yeah. Russell Westbrook just sitting there <laughs> refusing to shoot
4: the ball. Like you kind of see what's going on with this team. Westbrook last night, three of 12 from the field. 0 for five from three point range. He wasn't the only one that shot poorly though. Yep. Paul George, three of 15, one of eight from three point range, only 11 points from PG 13 here. And it's, it's so weird that they put Westbrook into this kind of a mix because we all know Westbrook tends to kind of march to his own beat. Mm-hmm. I think is a good way to put it there. He's not really one that adapts to the surrounding pieces around him. How long do you think Tai Liu sticks with this sort of rotation with Westbrook being in the starting five?
5: I mean, I want to say not long, but Tyloo ha- also has a history of being kind of stubborn when it comes to personnel choices. Do you, do you, I don't know if anybody remembers, you know, Robert Covington still plays for the Los Angeles Clippers. When was the last time you saw him play a game, right? Like, he's still out there. Seven and he, minutes last Right, and, he, and like, that was the first time we saw him, <laughs> him in an eternity. And so, like, Ty Lue's kind of got this history. Is he a really good in-game, man, like, manager and X's and O's, Y's? Can he make adjustments? Sure. they come yeah. back from a lot of deficits. But he's also got this history of being really stubborn when it comes to his personnel choices. Marcus Morris is one of them. Robert Covington is one of them. So... Are they going to finally say, like, you know what? Let's just let's get let's move back to our starting lineup. Let's go back to what made us really mm-hmm. good. Or are they going to try to fit this square peg in a round hole and say we can make this work by the time we get to the playoffs? I, I, I want to say they're going to change because the results have not been good, but we'll see. Ultimately, do you think the Clippers end up being a top six team? I, I would say yes. Here's the thing. T- tell you this. Do they roll with Russell Westbrook
4: in the starting lineup for the rest of the way? I would say no. If Whew. they change it, I would say yes. Man. That's, it's, it's a big deal, that because that loss last night, yep. and the Mavericks win, that vaulted Dallas to that sixth seed, Los Angeles now to the seven And keep in mind, I think the Timberwolves, I believe, are two and one against them, so they have the season, they have the uh, tiebreaker over the Los Ooh. Angeles Clippers if they fall into a tie. Yeah, right now, well, right now, they're only a half game back, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And for those of you who don't know, obviously, the playing tournament, the seven plays the eight, the nine plays the ten, 17 would have home court advantage in that game, then would, if they win... Would go ahead and go to the top, or rather, clinch the spot into Mm -hmm. the field of eight in the playoffs. That would be a rematch of last year's um, emotional, at least on the Timberwolves side. um,
6: Michael, a little
4: differently, too. (laughs) Michael, yeah. Where's Pat Bev when you need him? (laughs) Throw him into this uh, since he's playing for both teams there. But yeah, the NBA, it's a fun time in the association. We're going to break it down even some more later on in the program. The Maxi thing now that he's starting, how does that affect six man? I think Maxi's kind of done in that race mm. just because of how many games he started. We'll talk about six man. We'll talk about defensive player of the year. We're gonna talk about a number of awards because I love betting on NBA awards. Sides and totals, they kick my butt, but awards, that's where I think I make a little bit of money in the NBA. So we'll discuss that later on in the program. But on the other side, NFL draft, are there any actionable information and nuggets that we can peel from what happened yesterday in Indianapolis. The combine rolls on. It's the NFL convention. We're going to break it down. On the other side It's the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM.
0: No necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abepafe, on Veasan, the sports betting network. If
4: you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the Vcent experts have you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only 9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season, where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and daily props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, rolling alongside Jonathan Von Tobel here at the Circa Resort in Casino. Well, yesterday, JVT, we saw the NFL Combine officially get underway. People have been there all throughout the week, but now the workouts are starting to begin, and that's when the buzz really starts to happen because we can all see what happens, and we can all see the workouts. And it's, it's interesting because it was a defensive lineman and the linebackers yesterday, which we all suspect... That's where the first defensive player to be drafted. It's going to come from that group. Mm-hmm. Obviously we all know what happened with Jalen Carter, the misdemeanors. Uh, he had the arrest warrant out there, went to Athens, was bailed out $4,000 bond, not very much there. And then come, comes back to the combine to do the measurements and to interview with teams and such. But yesterday we saw Will Anderson get a chance to run the 40. We didn't see Tyree Wilson. He's dealing with a foot injury, I believe, but we saw a number of guys who are edge rushers go ahead and work out. And before jalen carter news came out on wednesday morning he was minus 105 to be the first defensive player selected after all the news came out the workouts from yesterday we now have a new favorite in that market this was just posted at draftkings earlier this morning will anderson the odds-on favorite to be the first defensive player drafted minus 175 tyree wilson three to one jalen carter now plus 350. You have will mcdonald the fourth out of iowa state at 25 to 1 miles murphy as well 25 to 1 coming out of Clemson. Do you think this is too much of an overreaction with Carter's price going from odds on favorite to now plus 350?
5: Yeah, I think so. It, look, so you got to talk to Michael Lombardi about this mm-hmm. on the G of shuffle. And when you're looking at what the scenario is right now, I mean, we mentioned it yesterday. it it does seem that this is going to be at his next hearing. I think, what would say April 17th, 18th, something like that uh, before the draft, I would assume that this is going to be cleared up by the time that rolls Mm -hmm. around in terms of this misdemeanor for him. I think all indications are here because he went right back after doing it and at least did what he needed to do from a minimal standpoint uh, in terms of meeting with teams at the combine. By the time we come around, He is still going to be the best defensive prospect here. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Bears are more than likely still going to trade back to like that four-ish range where he would probably likely be available because two quarterbacks are going to go, and we we know how the whole thing's going to work out. Why would I put him behind, like Will Anderson at minus 175, behind the guy Tyree Wilson, like you mentioned, having a little bit of an injury issue?
4: Why -hmm. would now all of a sudden he be that far, plus 350? I think that's a bet to be made. It it is interesting because... I wonder which team is going to be the first team that's not going to take a quarterback. Cause we all believe that Chicago is going to move down from one Houston. We all think is going to take a quarterback at two. Mm-hmm. Would Arizona move down or is Arizona going to stick there at three? Because I think it almost becomes a little bit of a handicap of what will the Cardinals do? Yep do they prefer an edge rusher in wilson or anderson or do they prefer a defensive tackle like jalen carter i think there's kind of been a little bit of a shift into what teams value it used to be all right edge rusher over defensive tackle no matter what but now i think teams have kind of gone hip to like okay if chris jones can make an impact a defensive tackle can sort of make an impact as well so maybe jalen carter that's kind of helped his stock rise and also he's he was awesome at georgia the past couple years helping lead them to a national title I think that's sort of kind of how we have to handicap this because I, I think first instinct, I agree with you. I want to bet Carter plus 350 because he was the guy that was seen as the best non-QB prospect, the best defensive player. So why are we getting this discount on him? But I just wonder if Arizona sticks there at three, would they prefer an edge rusher, which would then lead me towards Anderson or Wilson? Mm-hmm. Well, and Because I, I think it's a great way to put it. So even if we say like this is a,
5: it's an Arizona team that needs help defensively, they can still mm. use a Jalen Carter, right? So if yes. everything gets cleared up and you have the two top tier prospects there, and we know that Carter has been largely assumed to be the best non-quarterback prospect. I mean, Arizona's in a position now where you just have to acquire talent. Yeah. So why would you not go ahead and grab it? Because I think like if we talk about Chicago, I think Chicago's in a sense where if they let's say everything like we expect to happen, it's the Colts, right? So they move back to four. Chicago is going to be in a position where we're either getting Anderson or we're getting Carter. And I think we're happy with either one of those two that's going to fall into our lap at number four, where Arizona's going to have their pick of the litter. And if you want to take the best talent that's available and there is no, per se, baggage at that spot, mm-hmm. I mean, I find it hard, at least when we're talking about probability, right? Let's look at it from that perspective. Yes. Yeah. I'll ask it for. Well, let's ask it this way, because you asked it a great way, right, Arizona. I'll ask it to you this way. Does Tyree Wilson have a better shot of being drafted as the first overall player than Jalen Carter? No. So automatically know this market's mispriced
4: yeah that's a good way to put it there because i think wilson's more like yeah maybe fringe top five Mm -hmm. there's been some buzz about him like he's supposed to be an awesome workout guy uh he'll have to wait for his pro day he's not gonna be able to show it obviously the the defensive lineman and edge rushers already went yesterday and he wasn't able to work out so i think maybe there won't be as big a buzz i think when he works Mm -hmm. out since pro days it's a little bit more individualized it's not this big event but uh i think yeah, it's gotta be Carter or Anderson, I would guess, mm-hmm. as who goes first of the defenders there. And at the price, I can't justify Anderson at minus 175 betting on that. I don't think there's way too much uncertainty. Right. We don't even know who the hell's gonna be making the pick. Yep. <laughs> to be honest, like like that's what's interesting about this draft is that the top five that we see right now, it could be just blown up and there could be all sorts of trades that come up later on after free agency, once teams kind of fill those needs. And it, it brings me to a tweet that I had yesterday, not to be kind of a self-serving uh, citizen here. Sorry. Right. But, but You're the I, host, let's do it. I, 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 was, I, I was just kind of scrolling the timeline, reading whatever I could read, and I tweeted this out. I said, this might be the most interesting NFL draft from a betting standpoint, because running back, tight, end, defensive tackle are the only positions where there's a general consensus on the best player. Everything else is kind of what's your flavor of ice cream. And what led me to that is reading... Uh, an article from Charles McDonald does great work over there at Yahoo sports covering the NFL. And he had this cool concept. He went ahead and caught up with seven NFL scouts and just asked them who their favorite prospect was at every position, not necessarily their best. So I don't think it's a pure rating, Mm -hmm. but just their favorite prospect. And just from that poll alone, and it's only seven people, there's hundreds of thousands of scouts out there and a ton of different opinions. So you, you can only take this for whatever it's worth, but of those opinions, we saw a quarterback, two people like Bryce Young, two people like CJ Stroud, two people like Anthony Richardson, one person like Will Levis. Running back, like I said, Bijan Robinson, all seven said he was their favorite. Michael uh, Meyer from, or Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, he was a consensus tight end. Jalen Carter was a de- consensus defensive tackle. But wide receiver, it was all over the board. Yep. Offensive line, there was three guys. Linebacker, two guys. Even edge defender, Will Anderson, who I think a lot of people would rate as the best guy, Only four of those scouts said Will Anderson. Three of them said Tyree Wilson. Cornerback, it's all over the board. Safety, two guys, but Brian Branch kind of led the way there. There's so much uncertainty about who's picking where and also just how these guys are rated. I think this is the, at least right now as we sit here on March 3rd, This would be the time to kind of go against the consensus, I feel like.
5: So I'm glad we brought this up because I was looking at this poll too. And one of the things that stuck out for me and when I was evaluating a lot of these different markets that are up and they're coming out slowly but surely – the guy who kept coming up in terms of wide receiver to bring it to this Zay flowers. Yes. Right. So, and especially when you look at the way that he's priced, there's four receivers ahead of him in the Mm -hmm. market to be the first wide receiver selected. There's Quentin Johnston. uh, And then there's Jordan Addison. And then you get Jackson Smith and Jigwell, you get Jalen Hyatt, and then you get to Zay flowers at eight to one to be the first wide receiver. And I, I feel like Femi, and maybe you agree with this or not, like, Wide receiver seems like a so much more personal choice per team in that, like, yes, we need a wide receiver, but how does that wide receiver fit into what we are looking for? So while there might be a top consensus like wide receiver in terms of a prospect... Teams are drafting for wide receivers to fit. So, if you have like an outside guy, why would mm-hmm. we go ahead and draft a Quentin Johnson when we can go and get a Zay Flowers who would fit a little bit better on the interior? Like little things like that. I've been really intrigued by what Zay Flowers, because all the reports at Trine practices were that he did a great job. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a, he's higher, he's viewed higher, I think, than the market is giving him credit for.
4: I looked at Zay Flowers two days ago and I didn't make the bet, but I looked at it long and hard. I was like, gosh, I kind of want to bet this. Now, the only thing that, kind of gives me a little bit of apprehension is that his size yes he's a smaller guy and some teams just have those thresholds of like hey we're not going to draft a five foot nine five foot ten wide receiver in the first round we're just not going to do it Uh, I think he's also he bulked up to 185 for the combine he was playing at like 175 170 when he was at Boston College so that's kind of why I have a little bit of apprehension but that would be the guy that I would bet in the wide receiver market at eight to one because there could be a team out there that says oh this could be a Tyreek Hill type yeah and we're going to go ahead and draft him and I think a lot of people I always go back to the draft. I think it was 2020, the COVID draft, when they were all on uh, Zoom and stuff. That year, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, everybody was kind of talking about those guys, Brandon Ayuk a little bit. Then all of a sudden, Henry Ruggs goes first Mm -hmm. because the Raiders said, hey, we want a speed guy. Yep. Like, that's all it takes. It's just a team says, we want a speed guy. And there you go. Henry Ruggs ends up being the first wide receiver selected. And I think Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigma, and even Jalen Hyatt, all those guys, and even Flowers as well, they all have a hole in their game. There's something that you can nitpick. Yep. Some people don't think Johnson is a good pass catcher. Addison's a little bit small. Smith and Jigba. what is he going to run? Hyatt, he's not that pure. Like, like there's so many things that these guys nobody's a consensus okay checks all the boxes boom this is gonna be the first wide receiver and whenever you have that in my opinion i think that's when it's time to strike and go ahead and bet some long shots
5: yep absolutely so i'm yeah i'm intrigued by zay Flowers. i would say the cutoff i think is probably right at zay flowers yeah in terms of where i'm intrigued by but and the market represents that too
4: yeah jackson smith and Jigba. by the way he's going to work out at the combine but he's not going to run the 40. Maybe raises a little bit of eyebrows. He's gonna run a 38 at Ohio State Pro Day, I think is what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love well, pro days. I love him too. Andrew Brandt will talk about some combine headlines on the other side. This is the Lombardi line, presented by BetMGM.
0: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Up on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets or where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. Vcin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line presented by bet MGM. That's JVT. I'm Femi and we hanging out here at the circuit resort and casino in downtown Las Vegas. Last segment, talking a little NFL combine stuff. So, to continue that discussion we bring in our first guest this morning and he was a former VP for the Green Bay Packers you can read his work over at the Sunday 7 newsletter you can listen to him on the business of sports podcast he is Andrew Brandt joining us now here on the Lombardi line Andrew we appreciate the time as always this is a big week in the National Football League everyone has descended upon Indianapolis for the combine but a lot of the chatter is surrounding the guy who just came out of the darkness retreat one Aaron Rodgers Uh, what's the latest that you You've been hearing on when Aaron Rodgers might make a decision, and what do you think he ultimately tells the Packers whenever he comes to that conclusion?
7: Hey guys, good to be with you. And yeah, uh, it's Combine Week. I'm not there. I put in my lifetime quota of Combine. <laughs> <laughs> I was an agent for many years, I was a team executive for many years. So I was probably at 20 something Combine. So I'm done with that. You know, what goes on now, it's, it is a business convention where teams are meeting with agents about their own players, about pending free agents. Teams are meeting with teams, about pending trades. Teams are meeting with players sometimes. Derek Carr, I think, has gone through there, done some interviews. Teams are meeting with potential coaches they're going to hire. And by the way, there's some workouts going on, too. You know, I went there 20 years. I never went to workouts. It's just I was there for business. The workout stuff is for the scouts and and, you know, a lot of that, to me, is overrated anyway. But anyway, getting to Aaron, listen, I I don't have new knowledge on this, but I've been around this. And I've said this a lot in recent weeks. To me, this is eerie deja vu, which I went through 15 years ago. You know, we had drafted a number one pick quarterback with a Hall of Fame quarterback on our roster. He sat for three count them, one, two, three long years. And finally, we made a decision that we were ready to hand the keys to him. Now, the Packers drafted a guy three years ago, first-round quarterback, and he sat for three, one, two, three long years behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> and here we go again. I think, I think it's going to be exactly what we did 15 years ago. But it's different because Brett you no know, now listen, Brett kind of felt that I believe from us. So Brett retired. Aaron's you know, Aaron's probably not gonna retire, but I or he may, we can talk about that. But I think that there's a feeling in Green Bay that they want to move to love. So the interesting thing to me is if Rogers says, I wanna be back, what happens? If he says, I'm ready for a change, great. You know, they see the market and they trade him for a good package and he goes to a new team. What's more interesting to me is he says, you know what, I want to come back because I'm not sure they want him back. <laughs> and that's a great, that's an amazing thing to say about still one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the planet. But I feel like it's time. It just feels like it's time to move to love, just like we did 15 years ago.
5: Andrew, what does a package for Aaron Rodgers look like in the market for some of these teams that if he is going to become available, what would they be looking to ship off for
7: him? That depends how many teams, you know, every offer depends on leverage. And if they truly have four teams, which has been rumored, you can get a lot. You can get maybe the Russell Wilson package of two ones, two twos and players, I think that's going to be steep. I think we're in a different market than Russell Wilson last year. It's just not as robust. So I don't know. Maybe uh, if it's a high one, that is a lot more than a low one. So if they get a high one and then some change beyond that, perhaps.
4: We're speaking with Andrew Brandt, former Packers vice president, also does work for the Sunday 7 newsletter where he can write, or he writes all of his knowledge. And then uh, the Business of Sports podcast, So you said that this could be the exact same scenario as what we saw with Brett Favre. Does that also mean this could be Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets?
7: I guess it could. I just don't see it. I know that's going to depress a lot of Jets fans listening, but I don't see it. I don't see Aaron Rodgers taking his life to New Jersey. I mean, (laughs) I just don't see it. He is a California kid through and through. I know he's been in Green Bay, but. Now, if he has a choice, I just think he'll go west. And unfortunately for him, there are no jobs open in California. But um, maybe Vegas. I mean, I'm not going to get into that game. I just think that I don't see him wanting to go to New Jersey. It just doesn't. Even New York City. It just. It just doesn't. It's not to me. Knowing Aaron, that's just not him. But we'll see. We'll see.
5: So let, let's stay in the division then, NFC North. Uh, obviously, the talk of the town is going to be what the Chicago Bears are going to do with this first overall pick. Uh, Andrew, I, there's, there's no credence to the thought that they're actually going to think about shipping off Justin Fields and keeping that pick for a quarterback, right?
7: I don't think so. You know, I think that'd be stupid. But you have to create that impression. But people are smart. You know, there's no dummies out there people say create the impressions and get a big draft tall out of that for the bears. I'm like, come on, you're not, you're not dealing with six, six graders here. People understand you're not going to take a quarterback. Um, you know, you just don't do that. You don't take a quarterback in the top of the draft two years ago and then take another quarterback top of the draft. It's just, and it, cause I don't think they're down on fields in any way. So I do think, they can, you know, if someone wants to get ahead of Houston, they can get a nice package and build the team around it. But the Bears, you know, I don't know if, you know, I'm a field seventy 76ers fan and I went through those horrible years while they're trying to build from the ground up and they draft someone like Joel Embiid. And that's what the Bears are. I mean, the Bears have taken this down to the studs. They have a hundred million in cap room. They are a trust-the-process team trying to get more Justin Fields on that team and really build back up. Now, we haven't seen this a lot in football, but that's what they are.
4: Andrew, I want to ask you a question about one of the draft prospects, and we saw the quarterbacks speak with the media earlier this morning. Bryce Young, everyone's making a big deal about what's his height, what's his weight. Is that a big deal, no deal, or a little bit of a deal?
7: Well, you know, if he's drafted number one one or two or three in the draft, it's obviously no deal. Um, If he's drafted, I don't know, end of the first round, I guess that's a big deal because he's certainly shown incredible abilities. Um, My understanding is this is going to be the top quarterback. So that tells me it's no deal at all. (laughs) You know, So if we find out different, then it's become a deal. But, whoever it is houston texans you, you pick the team they don't seem bothered by it then it's no deal
5: well then let's go to uh let's go back to some of these established quarterbacks and what we think might happen with them uh the, the rumblings are getting mm-hmm. stronger andrew lamar jackson you know we talk about these teams in their marriages it does seem that lamar jackson is gaining more traction at least in terms of his marriage with the baltimore ravens ending in this offseason what do you expect to happen there
7: Well, this has been the most curious negotiation for three years because A, he doesn't have an agent, but B, he's trying to follow the precedent of the Deshaun Watson deal. Deshaun Watson, again, for people who don't know, fully secured five-year deal, like an NBA deal, like an Major League Baseball deal, best contract in the history of the NFL. We can all argue about why it went to him or not, but the fact is it's there. But NFL owners have been able to push back against other players trying to get that precedent, And they're pushing back in Baltimore against Lamar Jackson. And he's trying to push it after it. Because, listen, everyone asks me this question, they probably ask you too, which is why don't NFL players have fully guaranteed contracts like baseball and basketball? And the only way that's going to happen is if they use the Deshaun Watson deal as precedent and push it through for people like Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts or whoever it is. But if it doesn't happen, then NFL players go back to what I call the children's table, you know, and they (laughs) just take these one or two, one or two year guarantees and they look up at baseball people and basketball people and wish they were like them. But obviously the Ravens are fighting it and they seem to have support with other owners and they're going to fight this Deshaun Watson deal. What do I think will happen? Lamar, I think it will be franchise tech. And he'll be be a Raven for another year.
4: Interesting stuff in the city of Baltimore. He is Andrew Brandt. Read his work at the 7 Newsletter there, and also you can listen to him at the Business of Sports podcast. Andrew, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon.
7: Okay, guys, thanks.
4: All right, we have Michael Calbreeze of The Athletic joining us next.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abepafe, on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network
4: attention betmgm customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do well here's a chance for both of you to earn a 50 dollars bonus when they sign up through betmgm's refer a friend program just sign into your betmgm account and click on the refer a friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use betmgm in once your friend signs up and makes a deposit you'll both receive a 50 dollars bonus visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions must be 21 years of age or older to wager all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets bonus bets expire in 30 days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in mississippi and nevada Welcome back. This is V it's live bet tonight. No, it's not. It's the Lombardi line presented by bet. MGM still getting used to the new it's gonna schedule. Happen. It's gonna <laughs> happen. You're getting used to it. He's Jonathan von Tobel. I'm Femi and Ben Faye. We had Andrew Brandt on in the last segment, former VP of the green Bay Packers also has a newsletter Sunday seven newsletter and the business of sports podcast. Make sure to check that out. We appreciated his time talking all things, NFL combine headlines and what's going on with these quarterbacks. But to turn the tables over to college basketball, because we are in champ week, believe it or not, we're gonna bring in our guy, Michael Calbreeze, college basketball betting analyst over at The Athletic. Michael, we appreciate the time as always. Let's get into some of the plays that you have for today before we start talking about tomorrow's jam-packed slate. I know you're going to the SOCON conference for some first round action between Chattanooga and VMI. What do you like and why?
3: There's two levels to this play. I like Chattanooga laying 13 and a half against VMI. They boat raced him in their last meeting, beating him by 20. And the key debts are just at the absolute bottom of the barrel. They're 355th in Ken Palm. They're 353rd in opponent shooting efficiency allowed. So they're awful. But here's the real element of it. The mocks were absolutely cruising in January. They looked like they had a chance to win this conference in the regular season. And then they lose their superstar center, probably the best mid-major big in all of college basketball, Jake Stevens. He was averaging 22, 10, and two and a half blocks per game, just a stat sheet stuffer. He goes ahead, breaks his hand. He thought it was a jam finger. Turns out that he had a break there and it looked like he was gonna be sidelined indefinitely. Well, breaking news, the local media covering and interviewing him in the last few days. He's now practicing again which means that there's a chance that he could play in the quarterfinals that they can win here in the first round against VMI. And I think that's going to be extra wind added to the mock sales in this game, a team that can already shoot really well from three point range. But if he comes back, they are a live dog to win this conference tournament outright at 12 to one.
5: All right, let's go to a conference that is near and dear to my heart because uh, the mountain West is a sneaky, sexy tournament every single year. Uh, But before we get to that tournament, we got to finish up the regular season. Walk us through New Mexico on the road against Colorado State because it's a Lobos team that at one point fancied itself uh, squarely inside the NCAA tournament as an at-large, but has hit the skids a little bit here in the depth of conference play. This is an important game for them on the road against Colorado State.
3: You hit the nail on the head. It's an incredibly important game in terms of their at-large bids, which are basically on life support. they got to win this game convincingly and then at least make a run to the Mountain West Conference championship game and probably play well there, and they'd still have to sweat it out on Selection Sunday. But in terms of the Mountain West Conference tournament coming up next week, if they win this game and San Jose State loses tomorrow against Air Force, they go ahead and grab the five seed. Why is that important? Because that puts them in the quarterfinals, so you don't have to win four games in four days. In general, I also think that this competition Colorado State team, which is one of my favorites at the mid-major level. Medved had done such a good job turning this program around. They end up making the tournament last year. They lose to Michigan in that 6-11 game. This year they've just not been the same class of team. Isaiah Stevens has kind of wilted down the stretch with the entire offense being on his shoulders. On the other side of things, New Mexico has the superior backcourt, and I think Jamal Mashburn Jr. is due to break out of a shooting slump. He shot 28% in his last three games, and he honestly for most of the season has been one of the most unique guards in the country because he plays that lost art of the mid-range jumper. If those start falling for him, I think the Lobos win this game running away. This spread continues to you know, go the Lobos' way. I think it could close probably at New Mexico minus three. I'd play it up to New Mexico minus five.
4: We're speaking with Michael Breeze college basketball betting analyst over at the Action Network. I know you have another play with one of these mid-major conference tournaments that gets underway today, the CAA. What do you like down the board there?
3: So CIA, to me, just from a pure basketball perspective, is going to be the one one of the most enjoyable conference tournaments to watch. But if I had to put money behind a team outside of the top two, because you have Charleston, that's actually you have to lay juice at minus 115 to play them, or Hofstra plus 180. I think both of those teams are incredibly you know, well coached. They have great balance offensively, and they could be a 12 or 13 seed that could win one or two games in March Madness. But if you want to have a little bit more bang for your buck, look at Towson. 600 to win this conference tournament here's the thing Nick Timberlake has taken the the step forward he's now a mid-major superstar he scored 24 plus in six of their last 11 games and joining him the backcourt is Cam Holden who is one of the very best rebounding guards in all of college basketball and for a Pat scary team they crash the glass so they're able to withstand those games where their threes aren't dropping although they're a top 50 team in terms of three-point percentage this season the other element that I really like about the Tigers, they've been a great bet on the road in the last two years. And obviously you have to do it on the road here. And instead of the game, which is traditionally played the tournament as a whole in South Charleston, they moved it up to Washington, DC, which I think is going to benefit a program like Towson. You may actually have some fans in the crowd.
5: All right, let's go to some of the games that we are going to see tomorrow, Kansas on the road against Texas. How are we handling this Jayhawks? Of course the uh, conference done. I think, what is it now? 12 out of 17 years in bill self. It is an outright regular season for the Kansas Jayhawks. So motivation wise for a team that is somewhat solidly placed in terms of their seating in the NCAA tournaments, an interesting spot here on the road against the Longhorns.
3: And my co-host of the big bets on campus podcast, he likes to refer to this as it's the point to the finger moment. They got the championship <laughs> ring for the regular <laughs> season. How does that impact motivation in a year like this? Sometimes you could point to, well, teams are still playing for seating. Kansas essentially has the number one seed locked up or a number one seed, I should say whereas Texas has so much more to play for. This could be a marquee win. It could lock up a two seed for them, and also from a motivational standpoint, playing at home at the Moody Center, I think is going to be going to really bring out the best in them from a in-game performance. So what I'd like to do is keep my money on the sideline, but the live number, let's go ahead and watch how Kansas plays their rotations in the first five to eight minutes of this game. If it's clear that they're interested and motivated, then perhaps is a the time to hop in on them, but I think there's a good chance that they just mail this one in and Texas wins going away.
4: What do you think happens down in College Station between Alabama and texas a and i A&M? I'm looking at Ken Palm. They have the Tide as a three-point winner, 77-74. What do you think shakes out over in Aggie land?
3: I mean, what a shame that Auburn couldn't hold on against Alabama because that would have made this game a de facto regular season championship game. Instead, Alabama already has the regular season title locked up. Whereas A&M can help in their seeding and their overall resume with a marquee win, but just in general, I've been fading this Alabama team. I got burns on the money line when they're playing Arkansas on Saturday, but I took the points against you know when they're playing Auburn because at this point they're leaking oil. It's clear that they're a team that if they don't make 10 plus threes, they're vulnerable to lose to just about anybody. You saw it in that game against South Carolina. They needed Brandon Miller to absolutely play lights out and hit the game winning shot there. So not the kind of game that you want to be playing and the the risk of being upset heading into the SEC tournament and then March Madness. So the question here is the same for me as the Kansas Texas game. I want to watch the first five to eight minutes of this and see how interested Alabama is because... In addition to the overall narrative with Brandon Miller, they've kind of used it as motivation. It's the us against the world card. Will that continue on the road against a very motivated AM team? Or will this be an opportunity to empty their bench, get some players with some different minutes, and really look for someone other than Brandon Miller to carry them offensively, because if they continue to rely on him to go for 30-plus, there's a chance they don't even make it to the second weekend.
5: All right, Pacific 12, uh, let's talk about UCLA-Arizona, because this is interesting, right? Uh, While the regular season championship has been salted away, uh, Mick Cronin has been uh, very vocal about how he feels about some of these projections in terms of the seeding, and these are two teams that can maybe grab that final number one seed, right?
3: Absolutely, I think you're going to see a strong effort from both sides. I'm really more interested in seeing where this total opens at if it's anywhere south of 150. I'm interested in going with the over the first time these two teams met up. It was an absolute rock fight. It was the way that UCLA wanted to play. It was a 58 52 game. They want to play that half court game where their mid range shooting really shines. Whereas Arizona, obviously, with a head coach that, you know, grew up in the Gonzaga program, that run and gun, they want to push the tempo. I think you're going to see Arizona succeed in that, right? But UCLA has proven really in the last two months that they can win almost regardless of tempo and the kind of style of play. So I'm going to go ahead with the over here. Like I said, if it opens in that 148, 149 range, it's an overplay for me. And then in general, I agree. Mick Cronin has, has made no bones about it. He wants to win this one seed. He considers himself the best team in the West. And it's going to be a, a big strategic advantage to get that one seed in the West as opposed to having to, you know, get su- sent somewhere else in the country.
4: Well, McCronin and the Bruins will have a chance to go ahead and prove that they're the best team in the West where they win over Arizona tomorrow if they can get that done. He is Michael Calbreeze. You can check him out over at the Action Network College Basketball Betting Analyst. Michael, we appreciate the time and uh, hope all is well. Good luck with the bets. We'll talk soon.
3: Appreciate it. Hopefully
4: I'm cashing this Towson ticket and it'll be all smiles <laughs> for me. Let's go Towson and let's go... Chattanooga to go ahead and Man. win the SoCon there. Quick question here, JVT. Why is this Arizona UCLA game at 7 o'clock? Top mean, t- it's eight, number eight versus number four. Plus, come on. Yeah, you a we, little we, late we, night. Let's we, go. We couldn't get a three, a five, so the East Coast can actually see the West Coast. Who statue? cares about the East Coast? It's the Pac-12. <laughs> well the east coast has a lot of thoughts (laughs) on these things about how these brackets shake out so let's give the west coast some national love all right we'll begin hour number two with our guy vinnie maiulo over at the south point this is the lombardi line